So last week I told a story uh, about jumping onto a chair uh, to see how far I could get it to tip back until it eventually crashed into um, a large picture window in our house. Now, I I was like 12 years old at the time, but after the service, several, several people came up to me and said, "Um, I thought you were talking about this happening in the church manse, (laughs) like as you were telling the story. Um, so just to be clear, I'm 45 years old, (laughs) which means that the decision-making part of my brain is more fully developed than it was when I was 12. Plus, if I were to run through my house and jump into chairs at full speed, there's a really good chance that I would hurt myself, right? But thankfully, this does give me a good illustration for this week. Uh, Because this is what naturally happens in our imagination. As we read and as we listen to stories, our brains are creating a picture based on what we know and based on what is familiar to us, at least until we receive new information, right? So knowing that the church manse does have a large picture window, like the house that I grew up in, It makes sense that you might initially imagine this happening in that particular space, right? But as soon as I got to the part about getting in trouble with my parents, then the setting and the nature of the whole story changed dramatically. Well, this, um, since the Bible comes to us from a different time, different language, different location, and different culture that is, is unfamiliar to most of us, we naturally fill in the gaps with our own experiences and with our own culture. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but it's just good that we know that this is what is happening. We're seeing our world in the Bible even when we shouldn't. So today in John 14, we have a good example of this. So, so let's listen as Jesus is trying to encourage his friends his disciples, after telling them that he is going to die and that he's no longer going to be with them in the same way. So John chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what images come to your mind when you think about a house with many rooms? A house with a lot of rooms. I don't know about you, but I think about McMansions, right? Like, so Jesus is going to take us to live with him in Bel Air or or Beverly Hills or something like that, right? So next, where does God live or, or where is God's house? Again, in my imagination, my first thought is heaven, And where is heaven in the cartoons and in the movies that we see in our culture? It's in the sky, right? It's in the clouds. It's somewhere else. It's not here. 
So when we put these images and ideas together, where do we think Jesus is going to take us? The most common answer is to heaven, in the clouds, after we die, so that we can live like billionaires. Is that, <laughs> is that the good news? In mansions, with streets of gold, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, those are the images that we have in our mind based on our culture. But did Jesus and his disciples have McMansions in their minds when they were talking about this, when Jesus was using this metaphor and when they were hearing this metaphor? Probably not. Instead, Jesus is creating another mashup of a religious tradition together with a wider cultural tradition. So last week, Jesus washes his disciples' feet which mashed together the, a religious ritual with a cultural practice of hospitality. And this ma- mashup carried the message that God is present with us, not just in those uniquely holy places like church or like the temple, but any time we gather together in community. That's where God is present with us. And so, in the same way, Jesus here is creating another mashup of images from his time and place. So, when he says, my father's house, he's talking about the temple, not about someplace up in the sky, a mansion somewhere else. Like, my father's house shall be a house of prayer, right? Like that type of a thing, the temple, which is a physical building in the city that they're talking about. So, the essential question here when we're talking about the temple or when we talk about church buildings is, where is God? Like, where is God located? And, and if we can find out where God is located, what is God like and how can we experience God? And, and the typical answer in that time and place was, you go to the temple, you go to God's house. And the typical answer usually for most of us is you go to church or you go to a temple or you go to a mosque or some other house of worship. But then when Jesus says that there are many rooms and that he is going away to prepare a place for us so that we can be where he is, this is Jewish marriage language. So when I was getting ready to propose to Maya, I flew up to Seattle to surprise her, but first I felt like I needed to do the traditional thing of of talking to her parents. So I went over to to their house and nervously rang the doorbell. And I had seen enough movies about in-laws to know that this was going to be really difficult, right? Like that they were going to make things really, really hard. They might be skeptical and really concerned about this whole idea. They're likely going to ask me a lot of hard questions to see if I'm really worthy of marrying their only daughter, right? They might ask me to take a lie detector test or something. Like <laughs> so I rang the doorbell and then Maya's dad opened the door and he looked at me and he said, Tim, what, what are you doing here? Because I didn't live in Seattle. I lived actually down here in Pasadena. Tim, what are you doing here? And then before I had a chance to respond, he said, oh, you want to marry my daughter? Great. Come on in. I'm making some spaghetti. <laughs> and, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. I asked Maya to marry me the next day, and we were married like seven months later. Do you remember that? It was like almost two decades ago. <laughs> so 2,000 years ago in Israel, this same thing 
the engagement would be similar, but also a little bit different. It would include a ritual that was more communal, where the rabbi would come and bless a glass of wine. And I would take a sip of that wine and then nervously offer it to Maya, who would take a sip if the answer was yes. And then I'd say something like, I'm going to prepare a place for us. And I promise that when I'm done, we'll be together. It's sort of that, that time between the engagement and the actual wedding. Now, I'm not going away to build us a mansion, unfortunately. Um, you didn't marry me for the money, did you? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, and, and chances are I'm not even going away to build our own house. More than likely, what I'm doing is preparing a room by maybe adding a room onto the small house that my family already lives in. We'll continue our lives together with the help and support of our families in our community. So, when Jesus is using this language of going away and preparing a place for us, he's using commitment language. I will be with you. He's using family language and community language, not reclusive billionaire language. He's mashing this together with the question of the temple. How can we know God? So, so how can we be together with God in community? Jesus says, I'm going away, but I promise that I will be with you. After I die, you will find that I am with you, not just in the uniquely holy places like the temple. I'm not with you just in holy places like church, but I'm with you anywhere you're gathered together with others. God's house, then, can be our faith community. Sure, it can be church. I mean, we're gathered here together right now. But God's house can be your friends. It can be your family. It can be your workplace. It can be your schools. It can be our coffee shops. Any place where meaningful relationships are being developed that reflect God's welcoming and caring presence. That's God's house. God's house is those places where there is more and more room for more and more people. So Thomas, after Jesus says this, Thomas asks Jesus, where, well, where are you going? So, I mean, if we don't get this, like, it's cool because <laughs> they didn't get it at the time. But where are you going and how are we supposed to get there? And then Philip asks, but, but how are we supposed to know what God is like? Can't you just show what, us what God is like? And to our surprise, the answer is not, well, just wait until you get to heaven. Then you'll know, right? It's not even, well, the only place you can really experience this is at church because, because we don't have exclusive rights to God's presence. But the answer that Jesus gives us again and again through these mashed up images of religious tradition and cultural tradition is, You'll find what you're looking for wherever space is created to welcome others in. That's where you'll find me. God's presence and hospitality are mashed together, and now you can't have one without the other. Like, you can't have God while excluding other people. You can't exclude other people and expect God to show up. So if Jesus is about the work of preparing such a place among us, if that's what Jesus is doing here, how, how is that happening? What does it look like for Jesus to be among us, creating space for others? What does it look like for us, 
to be the house of God that Jesus is talking about? I don't know the answer, but I, I think that's, that's for us to figure out. Jesus, we pray that you would be among us, creating space for us to belong, creating space for anyone and everyone who is longing to know you and to be a part of this community. Amen.